Hello and welcome to a sophisticated session from three of your industry's colleagues. We're talking talent management, developing your leadership team. Now, this group stretched the bounds of our discussion. Get ready to endeavor into smart talk on leadership. And obviously, we have to work on ourselves before we can work on others. And, you know, I, I look at where I spend my time and I spend a, a quite a bit of time each month in training and, you know, how do I become that better leader? And I've often told my techs and stuff is that when I was working in the shop, you know, yes, I had headphones on most of the time. I wasn't listening to music. I was either listening to podcasts, uh, how to be a better uh, husband, how to be a better dad, how to be a better business owner. It was all educational stuff that I listened to. Welcome, automotive aftermarketers, to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here, thanking Jasper Engines and Transmissions for the support of the Academy. You know, your customer's vehicle continues to age, and the likelihood that their engine or transmission is going to wear out is a distinct possibility. Now, when that day comes, Jasper will be the name to remember. Jasper's remanufactured products cost considerably less than a new vehicle, so it just makes sense to choose Jasper. Go to jasperengines.com for more information. Hey, remember why you're engaged with the Aftermarket's Premier Podcast? Now, one reason is that we are providing genuine value for your time spent. No fluff inside these important stories and lessons. Now, every time we turn on the mic, we think of your valuable time and the need to learn one new thing. So you maintain your learning curve. Please take a surf on the website where the content is cataloged in many ways so you can find special areas of interest that will keep your training commitment high. Hey, today we're talking talent management, developing your leadership team. And my academy panel includes Judy Haglin from Haglin Automotive in Boulder, Colorado, Mark Roberts, Schertz Automotive, Schertz, Texas, and Tom Palermo, Preferred Automotive Specialist in Philadelphia, PA. Hey, you'll find this episode going places you didn't expect. This group brought their A-game and shared not only how to develop your people into leaders, but their ongoing trek to be a better leader find the talking points already done for you and links to my guests previous episodes at remarkableresults.biz a122 now let me quote my friend dr john passante as we think about the role of leadership let us view through the lens of duty it's the duty of the leader to set the example in courage character integrity and being a positive influence on the organization thanks for that john now listen with an open mind and an open lens Well, team, uh, glad to have you here. Uh, we're going to talk about leadership today. We talk about leadership a lot, but, you know, the talent management, your job as the CEO of your organizations, uh, you really have a huge responsibility in it. And, you know, uh, one of the things that you brought up to me, Tom, was, hey, listen, it really kind of starts in the interview if you want to set up a leadership development campaign. So well, what do you mean by that? It's interesting because all of us have been in this industry for a long time, and I'm sure we've found people that uh, we hired and kind of grew into positions that they that that they're in currently. They probably started off way far down the line. Somewhere in that process of 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 talking to that person, we've seen a spark of of, of something in them that said to us, "Hey, you know, I'm going to pose these questions to them. I'm going to see how they answer them. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna ask them for their input." have them ask me questions to see where they're, where they're coming from. Uh, and when you can find an employee that kind of gels with you well and is able to answer those questions and, and, and really interact with you, you, you see, you have somebody who has the potential to, to, you know, to be a, in, in some form of a leadership capability. It doesn't have to be management. You can be a leader and not be in a management role. Um, but uh, I, I really think it all, it all stems from a good start. You know, when you, when you interview somebody, you should be looking at that person like they they could very possibly be the next key critical guy to your operation and approach them accordingly. Mark, you have a principle of uh, developing leaders. Can you share it with us? 
Well, I think that principle is not, you know, I have to say I stole it from some, I ripped it off, um, as uh, Frank would say. Yeah, R&D. R&D. Yeah, we should share the R&D principle. Go ahead. Rip off and duplicate. So, <laughs> you know, it was, a, it, it was interesting when I when I came across this. It's a, a 70-20-10 principle, and it's really about 70% of your learning happens through experience, you know, such as your daily task. And then 20% is through conversations with other people you know, such as coaching and stuff. And then 10% is through traditional training programs. So really, when you look at that and you sum all that up, leadership really happens mostly through experience. And so I I can think about the leadership development I've done in my shop and um, with my partners, John and David. And, And, you know, I would love to think that I was some kind of guru and I had all this stuff down. I think mine happened more by by accident. I didn't, I didn't really know any better. And I just knew I needed to, I wanted someone else to fulfill the roles that I was doing. And, uh, you know, so it was just constantly handing off stuff to them. Please take some credit for this fact. And let me, let me say that I believe you had great stock in those two guys. (laughs) (laughs) I did, you know, those, those guys were exceptional, you know, and I, and I think about, um, you know, I just kept handing stuff off to them and say, hey, do this. So I didn't just dump a whole bunch of stuff on him. And then as I think back, I officed, I, John officed with me for a full year. When we were in our other location, we were just so cramped for space. We were growing. We had a collision operation there. We just didn't have any space, and we hired some more people on the front counter. And so said, you know, we don't have any place for you to go. So, you know what, you just come in my office. We'll rearrange the desk and We'll just office together. And so, you know, he heard every conversation. He heard every phone call. He heard everything um, and just operated beside me for um, at least a year. And it was probably longer than that. Is that the uh, leadership uh, skill called osmosis? <laughs> I, well, I think that's some of it. I think when I think that about my, it does, because <laughs> when I think works. about the leadership lessons that I learned, I worked for a guy for 10 years and I won't necessarily say that he taught me all this stuff by actually teaching me. It was just, I watched him and just looked at how he operated and, and how he did stuff. And that's how, you know, we didn't, we didn't have these sit down lessons of, or book studies or anything like that. And, and, uh, I just watched him and made notes. So you, uh, I think, can really agree with that, Judy, the fact that uh, you, know, you just want someone to observe. Right. It's In our shop, it's kind of lead by example, and um, you want to walk the talk, but that's how, you, that's how you create that culture in your shop, is by leading um, and doing it the right way and showing them the, the way on every little, every little detail or the big picture stuff. You have to really walk the talk every single day. That, that's that leading from the front kind of mentality. And, and, and that's critical because when, when your employees see that you're willing to do exactly what you expect of them, the respect level goes through the roof. And if they know that you are capable of doing it, you, you, they know that you know what to expect of them. You know how long things should take. You know what, what's entailed in, in, in things that you delegate to them. So it gives them, it keeps them kind of between the between the inner lane so to speak you know and off the off the sides there but it also gives them a sense that hey i'm not alone there's somebody here who will who will jump right in with me if they need to be not not micromanage or or hold my hand through it but actually get in there with me if if they have to and and get dirty and do what has to get done to to get the job done it sounds like that's right in your wheelhouse judy Yes, I think so. One of one of the ways that there's actually a couple of ways that we um, can do that is um, one is the next step. Give them what's as you're working with them side by side as you're showing them what's the next step for them to do and what are, what is that that they can actually um, take on their own and make it their own and and you pass that responsibility on to them. I.e., if if the floor is dirty and I go back and I'm pushing the broom, you, you make some kind of a, a comment or you have a conversation to whoever's bay you're in and say, hey, you know what, I took care of this for you. Um, here's the broom. Where do you normally keep it? Same thing with the mop bucket. Is it clean today? Can I clean it for you? Um, and make them aware that you've noticed. Um, there's a, a broken window theory 
that we talk about is when you go by a building and there's one broken window, not a big deal. Go by the next day or the next week and there's two or three broken windows. The next thing you know, you see somebody else throwing a, a rock at it or somebody has graffiti. It becomes the norm. So that leading, as you say, from the front or by example, fix that broken window immediately so that everybody knows that you've seen it, you've acknowledged it, and it's just not acceptable. It's amazing on this entire catalog of uh, Remarkable Results Radio, over 550 episodes, four years in, that one of the founding principles of great leadership and running great companies is culture. And it seems that if you've got your culture and your values in place, Judy, you can leap and be, and teach leadership from that. Is that what you guys are doing? Yes, we actually have, we've kind of Tom coined it the Haglin way, and we have several core values that, and there's like eight or nine, that you you that we have we talk about we have weekly meetings every every friday we buy lunch and we have either a training session we talk about the values talk about what went well what do we need to work on as a team and the um core values basically it's it's it says one of them is everything speaks based on disney and that means that if there's a piece of trash you pick it up if it's dirty if it's if if a customer if you walk by the customer within five feet you say hello and greet them and make sure that you know everything's great um but when you create those core values, what you're really doing is creating comments and, and statements and a structure that changes behaviors for your employees. And it's the behaviors that you want. So when you, when you create those core values or those, those comments or the inner structures, look at how, to, how are you looking at changing behavior? If you've, got a, if you've got a dirty shop or if you have a customer service issue, look at what can you put in that will change the behaviors, which then after everybody starts to adopt those behaviors and changes, then you have culture. And what I'd like to throw out is if you don't have a very good culture, uh, the leaders in the shop, you need to do what? We need to be looking in the mirror. For sure, because that's 100%. what's gonna, yeah, that's what's gonna change it. Okay, your customer's engine or transmission has failed, but now is not the time for them to trade their vehicle. Not without a working engine or transmission. Besides, would they have kept their vehicle another three to five years if their engine or transmission had not let them down? Well, if you answered yes, then Jasper Engines and Transmissions is your choice to give your customer's vehicle new life and many thousands of miles of enjoyable driving performance. When considering the high cost of a new or newer used vehicle, there's a pretty good case to be made for your customers to replace a drivetrain component that has failed or is delivering poor performance, rather than trading their car, truck, van, or SUV. Install a quality remanufactured Jasper product for less than your customer would have to invest in a different vehicle. Go to jasperengines.com to learn more about the money-saving value of Jasper. I'm inspired by what you just said, and here's what came to my mind. Have any of you ever just sat down with your team, and uh, either privately or in an open forum, and said to an individual who does not have a leadership role, but then ask them, do you feel that you're a leader here in our business? Have you ever done that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to do that with you have to do that with all your employees because really what you want is you want a lot of people out there that are willing to do what Judy was saying. You know, you see something, if you see a piece of trash, pick it up. If you see something's broken, report it, fix it, do whatever you have to do. You want to have these eyes and ears for lack of a better term that are out there all moving towards the same goal, which Really, which was why I said in the beginning, you don't. It doesn't necessarily. A leader doesn't necessarily mean management. Okay, a leader could be someone on the shop floor who shows that they they really care about the about the business and about the culture and about the people in the business. And you know, uh, with when you have people like that, just because they're not in a management position doesn't mean they don't have the ability to make decisions. They, there's always an open. You always have to have an open line of communication. If you know, if I have a, a I have a, a, a two people here actually that their entire job is maintenance on the shop, keeping the shop clean, making sure nothing's broken, fixing broken, you know, that, that whole kind of appearance and, you know, outward visibility kind of thing. I had uh, just yesterday, uh, he came to me, one of the gentlemen came to me and said, I'd like to, I'd like to take this piece of equipment and I want to move it over here and I want to, and I want to secure this and I want to do this and I want to do that. 
said, go for it. Now, if I didn't give him the ability to be able to come to me and make those kind of decisions, and this is a, you know, this is somebody who's cleaning up. Somebody on the outside might look at him and say, oh, well, he's just cleaning up. That, that guy at that point in time was the most important person in this organization. So being a leader doesn't mean being management. The, you have to have that kind of communication with your employees because it will, you'll head off so many problems. If you just let the reins loose a little bit and not feel like you have to control every single little thing that happens, you'd be surprised how many people rise to the task, take ownership and improve your business for you. And then end up, you know, they end up being key critical parts of your operation. And you can always tell somebody's important when they're on vacation and you miss them. That's, <laughs> you know, you have a, you know, you've done a good job when somebody goes on vacation and you really, really miss them and you really wish they were there. <laughs> so Tom, um, Tom, you, and you mentioned a great point. We do the, we do one-on-one -on -one meetings with every one of our employees. So I'm assuming that you would do, you're doing something like that. And when you do have the one-on-one -on -one meetings, it's really what's, what's working really well. What are you doing really well? What's your personal goals and what are, what's one or two things we can work on mm -hmm. over the next week or two weeks. So it's, that's that constant communication. Yeah. And um, one-on-ones, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, um, we do a lot of those actually out in the bay for the technicians. It's at the toolbox. How's it going? What do you got? Are we moving forward? And what else can I help? What else can I help you with? Mm -hmm. That's the, one of the most important questions we ask: is how can yeah. I help? Yeah. And also on Tom's point, that leadership thing. <laughs> uh, some of your employees are are leaders. They may not be the right leader to going the right the right direction. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the ways I, we do a behavioral um, study on our front staff, we do Wonderlick CPPs. And in every interview we do what we call the bird test, 18 questions kind of does that, shows you kind of what behavior style they have. The DISC task, they're all very familiar. And that way everybody in the shop knows who the other personalities are. And um, I'm whether I'm an eagle eagle, so I have a tendency where I'll just, I can chew anybody up. I have to be very careful. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Doves are 60% of the population. <laughs> okay, yeah. And the feathers come out. I, there's sometimes I'll have peacock feathers or dove feathers out, right. and they go, ooh, pull it back, babe. Uh, but, but the cool part about that is that if everybody knows what everybody's bird is at our shop, because we all know, you know if there's a dove, you don't go in and pounce. Right. You, right. you do it another way. But we also have doves are very good at um, – covert hostility and changing your environment and your culture without you even knowing it because they're really sweet. Mm -hmm. So knowing your people is so important and everybody else and having everybody else understand where everybody's at is, is, is so helpful. Yep. hundred percent. Yeah. I'd never heard the bird test. I'll have to look at that one. We do disc profiles, but going back to what, what Tom talked about, is just allowing them to make decisions. I think that's a, we had, there's actually a piece coming out in Ratchet Wrench this next month that uh, one of my service writers wrote that was just, it was very difficult for him because we gave them so much leeway. And he's the guy that came up with the videos that we produce. He came up with the ideas and, and it was always just, Hey, that's a great idea. Do it. It's your, that's your baby. And then it, it was frustrating for him because he would come with questions and I'm like, that's your baby. You make the decision and do it. And he says, I'm just not used to being able to make decisions without having to get them cleared through management. And, uh, and so he actually wrote a whole piece and, uh, submitted to write. I didn't even know he wrote it, but just kind of about the way we operate. And I've always kind of used the Jesus principle of, you know, Jesus never answered questions or he answered a question with a question. And so <clears throat> that was very frustrating for them mm -hmm. is that. So you never, when John first came to me, he says, you know, it just pisses me off because you never answer my questions, you know? And I, and I just told him, I said, well, John, I said, if I answer your questions, that's too easy. You'll never grow. So I'm going to, I want you to make the decision. And so then he, you know, took that same principle and applied it to one of his employees. Well, that employee got, that service writer was upset and he's, he never answers my questions. I'm like, why wouldn't either? Because that, that's how you're going to grow. You you know the answer. You're just afraid to go execute. And we give you the leeway to execute. I will never get upset for you making a decision. Um, I will be more upset if you don't make a decision. If I don't like your decision, yeah, we'll talk about it. But, I, you know, you made the decision. So I love what he just said. And I want to ask uh, both Judy and Tom. He said he owned it. 
so you don't have to be a leader for have to have someone in your shop own something. Can you give us an example of ownership uh, from people in, on your team? I would use the example of what I had with that gentleman yesterday who who saw an issue, saw a problem, uh, and it was affecting everybody in the shop. He decided to he decided to take the reins and say, "Hey, this is what I want to do. What do you think?" And I said, hey, "Listen, it's your baby. This is your this is your wheelhouse. I, I'll I'll gladly help you if you want. But if you're gonna if it's gonna help you do your job better and it's gonna help the productivity of the shop." sounds like you've already made the decision for yourself. You don't need me to tell you to go ahead and do it. So it's, you know, and these things happen every day. Sometimes you don't even realize they're happening when they're happening. Uh, And the good part is, is when you stop getting asked all those questions, that's you, you know, you have either done one of two things. You've either, you've either got really good leaders or they're not telling you stuff. (laughs) So that's where Judy's, you know, Judy's, you know, the dove, that's where you want to make sure you're not, there's no, you know, kind of like passive aggressive nonsense going on. But, and generally you've, you know, it, you've, you've kind of feathered that out, no, no pun intended, uh, to, uh, you know, by in your interview process and your, you know, and, and your, your interactions with those employees, you're not going to keep somebody around who you think is going to be subversive. You know, that's not, that that's not going to happen. So, I, I think I think these things happen every day, whether it's somebody walking by something and picking them up, you know, picking up trash, whether it's guys putting shop tools back the way they're supposed to be put back, whether it's people who come up with ideas about securing equipment or or, or securing tools or, or you know, hey, uh, you know, I, I really think, you know, it's going to take me this long to do this job. Can I knock this? I see this one's next on my list. Can I knock this one out first and then go ahead and do it? You know, that kind of that kind of collaboration is really what drives productivity, that, in my opinion. That, that, that's my opinion. So, Carm, you asked for an example. And um, one of our core values is that you make, it's family. You make it feel like home. And um, my front service writer has taken that upon herself last year. She goes, you know what? We need an umbrella out. Um, where the little areas so that they're not sitting in the sun. Okay, great. You know what? I want to put plants by the front so that they're perennials. They come up every year so that we don't have to plant them every year. And it, and it makes that little wall look better. And then this year we said, we've got, now I've got a bird feeder. I've got the umbrella. We've got our planters, which we've always had. And she has truly made that outside appearance as well as the inside. Cause she's very, very picky about this space needs to stay clear. This needs to be good. This needs to, everything's kind of in its place. So it's always looking crisp and clean when anybody comes in. And that she's take, taken all on her own. Um, one of the things as um, Mark was talking that brought to mind was there's a book, Make the Noise Go Away by Larry Linney. And if you have that second in command or anybody else, it's really that communicating up and they, they tell you, hey, you know what, I'm going to, uh, Laura's an example of, hey, I want to buy the umbrella. I said, great, take the card, go for it. What's that communication up back to then you know that they're on the right track and they're going the right direction. And you're saying, you know what, I love that idea. It looks great. Um, but you have to make sure that you give positive feedback. When we came back from our vacation last week, the plants she planted beforehand, I looked at them and went, ooh, are they ever going to go? When I came back and the pansies are like going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's that positive feedback as well to keep everybody going on the same track. You know, the, you know, Judy, to your point, we just did a move about a year ago. Uh, so we, we, we moved from, uh, from a, a one location that was small to a place, to a, a building that's about three times the size. So we had a lot of work to do. The place needed a, a, a ton of repairs. It was not well taken care of before we got here. But so we're, we were working on the, uh, uh, on the building and, you know, I, I, my dad and I are, 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 are here, you know, figuring out what we're going to do, doing the big stuff. But just like what Judy was saying, our service, we our, our service manager, we let her basically design, you know, with a little input from, you know, from us, there were a few things we wanted to do, but we, we stayed out of it for the most part, design our customer waiting area. And she did a fantastic job. And you know what the funny part is? She took such, she took and takes such ownership in it that, that, we never have to worry about it. I never have to worry about whether the flowers look good because she did the same thing, Judy. It's funny. It's funny <laughs> you say that's what brought, what brought it to my mind. Uh, you know, the flowers look good. The, the floors are always clean. The rugs are vacuumed. Everything's in its place. The cookies are always stocked. The coffee's ready to go. You know, all that stuff. Never, ever, ever have to worry about it. We did the same thing in the back with our service director. Hey, listen, 
here's our here's how we would like to see vehicles flow in and out of the shop. But what? But tell me what you need. What do you think? And run with it. And we'll do it. And and we'll 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 let you kind of design your own your own setup. Our productivity skyrocketed because we moved to a, a, a larger location, but also because we let the person who has to work in that every single yes. day have input and really make it their own. And because they made it their own, they take more ownership of it and it becomes their baby. You know, I, I tell my people when I get out of the car every day, I put my foot on the ground. The first thing I do is I think I have 25 people working here. That means I have 25 employees to take care of and 25 uh, 25 families to take care of the decisions I make and the decisions that other people make affect all those families. So we all need to work together. I can't do everything by myself. Neither can they, we have to work as a team. And the only way you're going to work as a team is if you have p- the right people in the right place, doing the right thing, making the right decisions. As Tom was talking, then actually as one of your um, viewers has talked about the management and, and um, making the decision that way, what Tom probably has at his shop, and it's one thing that, that we have as well, it's that blameless problem solving. And those are three very powerful words when you put them together. It means that if someone comes up and says, I broke, blah, whatever it is, it's okay. It's part of doing business. But tell me before I need it the next time so that I'm not scrambling. But it's, it's, it's problem solving, but not putting blame on it. There are things that go wrong every single day. Uh, I would love to have a day that goes that goes flawlessly, but if you rant and you rave and you say it's not my way or it's not this, then you're not creating that culture where everybody can share and be able to take ownership and feel safe and have a safe environment and work that way. And that's where everybody. That's how you build the team. Yeah, I think when you look at uh, one of uh, Matt's comments and stuff about uh, mistakes and stuff. You know, I think that's just part of learning is that you got to allow them to make mistakes. I, I can tell you that, you know, I've made plenty of mistakes and I can look back and, and John has made mistakes and some of them were, um, expensive mistakes, but they were great lessons to learn. And, and even when we look at text today, I, I see so many people that you can look in all the different forums and, you know, a tech makes a mistake and, and they're ready to fire them. And, and it's, you know, they're going to grow through those mistakes and hopefully they won't make them again. And we, and we look at our industry and I thought that was interesting. I was listening to, um, Collins, Jim Collins speak at a different conference and he talked about how everybody's complaining that there's not enough, uh, entry level people coming into our, into the business and stuff. And one of the things that he brought up, he says, well, if you look at the military and you look at all the people that are trying to get in the military, how many people the military turn away and you go on an aircraft carrier, what's the average age of all those individuals running those and manning the planes and flying the planes? You know, they're young individuals and it's not that we have a shortage of qualified individuals. We have a shortage of employers that are willing to spend the, the time and the money to train these individuals. And so that goes back to leadership also is that, you know, we, I think we get so afraid that someone's going to make a mistake and, oh my gosh, it's going to cost us some money. And, you know, that's just, I broke more stuff and screwed up more stuff in my lifetime than, you know, so I'm i I'm pretty forgiven when it comes to that. I think that, uh, I think the important lesson to learn from that, from, from this is that everybody makes mistakes. Listen, you know, Judy and Mark both said, and I will fully admit that I have made some tremendous mistakes, actually comical mistakes in my life, you know, in this business. It happens. That's that's how you learn. Mistakes aren't necessarily a bad thing. The the key to what, what you want to do when, you, when somebody makes a mistake is you want to keep it transparent to the customer. So uh, you can have policies and procedures in place that keep a technician, we'll use, a, we'll use an example of a technician making a mistake. You can keep that transparent to the customer, not that you're lying to them, but that you're, you're just making sure that they're not feeling any, any pain from that, from that mistake. You can communicate it to them. Most people will understand. Um, and, and, you know, Mark's point of uh, young people uh, coming into this industry, we, not to, you know, we don't want to get too far off of the weeds on this because I'm sure that you probably had a few podcasts on this already, but you know, we as an industry need to be willing to take these people and train them and teach them the right way to do things. And we, I, I have, a, 
I have a few millennials working for me who are fantastic. The service manager that I was speaking about earlier, she's a millennial and she's, you know, she fits absolutely zero of the stereotypes that are out there of a millennial. They can do it. You just have to be at that point. You have to be the leader and you have to say, I'm, we're going to take the, this person or these, you know, the, the, these technicians or whoever it is, and we're going to bring them along into our family and we're going to we're going to have them adapt to our way of thinking. And when they do, they'll be successful. And then you just keep you just keep doing it. You just keep doing it. And if you do it right and if you do it long enough, you will find yourself with a really fantastic group of people. I mean, I, the, the, my employees are great people. I love them. They're my family. I mean, they really are, you know, they really are family to me. If they have a problem, I have a problem. You know, that's basically the way, you know, the, the way we look at it. I'm sure Judy and Mark feel the same way about that. You know, I, I care what happens to my employees, but I care because I'm not driving. I'm not sitting on top of a mountain pointing down saying, you do this, you do that, you do this, you do that. I'm letting them make decisions and I'm letting them get you know, have success on their own so that I don't have the success, they have the success. And that motivates them to have more success. So, um, I, they, Tom, go. Uh, I was going to say, Tom, I'd love to jump in on that because yep. earlier um, we're talking about leadership here. And what you're saying is that you're letting them, they're, you, basically, you can take that as, okay, they're running the asylum. And you don't have an asylum, you have a well-oiled machine, right. and you've obviously done something correct to lead them. Mm -hmm. So that goes back to what is your role in the shop? And if you are constantly in the back turning wrenches or selling service or in the mix in the business versus working on the business mm -hmm. and really having that direction, that clear idea, if you weren't really leading your shop, you'd still be in your old facility. Right. Uh, so 100%. there's, yeah, so there's, so there is, it's, there's a job there as owners mm -hmm. and a responsibility to our employees to do the absolute best we can and lead them where they can take those responsibilities and go from there. So leadership is a, it's a job. I, I absolutely feel like that is so important that we understand we are you're you're leading the ship. Um, and there are days that the Titanic, I swear there are, there are icebergs out there everywhere. But if you know that where you're headed is where you're going to go, you just ping off the bergs and you just keep moving because you know where the end is. Mm -hmm. But also think when you look at, when you think about that leadership and then, you know, when you look at disc profiles and look at, you know, I can look at my own profile and really understood that that really my right-hand guy, really my partner now, John, is a much better, much better at leading than I am. And he just, you know, that's just his personality style. So really, once I recognize that, it's, hey, I'm going to let him run with it. We're going to come up with a plan and then we're going to we're going to agree on it. But he's much better at executing that plan than I am. And so that was just something we learned through this profile. And I see that uh, Jim had a comment on leadership development and about having a program. And, and we did that for we did that for a little while. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it just the holidays came and we we stopped it. But we were meeting in the morning at six thirty two, and we were actually using some curriculum um, at a life church. Um, Craig Groeschel out of Life Church has a series, and it was just real quick, twenty minute videos. And we would meet for a little while. We would discuss the video and stuff, and it was non paid. And and uh, I was surprised at the people that showed up. And I, I think that's a fantastic tool to be able to do it. I just get a little, I'm, I'm pretty protective of their time and I don't want them doing anything in the evening. I don't want, you know, shop stuff in the evening. I don't want shop stuff on the weekend. And, you know, it's just like I tell those guys, I want you with your families is mm -hmm. really what I want. So it's, uh, it, it becomes difficult for me to say, Hey, we're going to do this thing after hours. Um, you know, I, I want them home. So I, I do like the idea of starting early. And, you know, having a 30-minute or 40-minute um, just training session in the morning, you know, I don't know if he does it every week or every two weeks, but but I did see some some really good development out of it. So, great tools. Thank you for all of this. Uh, I love where this is going. I, I really hear and feel your passion, and I really think that our listener, uh, not only today, this weekend, uh, but as we publish this podcast and it's available though evergreen for anyone to listen anytime is really going to hit a mark with people and as i've heard you all um really give it up and be so transparent i'm going to ask you 
were you always this good? I may know that answer because I know how poor I was as a leader in the early days. And so I'm going to ask each of you to comment on this. Take me back to the day that it hit you upside the head that you had to become a better leader because you knew you had to grow a family and a team and a better company. Uh, Mark, do you remember the day that it hit you upside the head? I, you know, I can't specifically remember the exact day, uh, but it's probably because I wanted to take vacations. Is uh, <laughs> <laughs> I learned I wanted to do that. I I can I can definitely remember some bad leadership uh, days that I had, uh, probably more than all the good leadership days. But really, I think it came down to I I never wanted to have a one man company or two man company. It was always I wanted something that that we could grow. That if I wanted to uh, take vacations, I wasn't going to have to worry and we would still be making money some you know somehow so it, it just wasn't uh it, it wasn't until i was in my my 40s i know that um that i started learning more leadership and so i think now even with with john he he has got more leadership training than i ever was exposed to um at his age and so we spend money on it i he's got a coach and um, so, you know, it does cost money sometimes. It's like, I don't, you know, I'm not sure I can give him everything that he needs and I want him hearing it from, from others too. And so I want him exposed to others. Um, which, which brings up a point on networking is that it's, it's huge is to go out and network and learn what other leaders are doing. I, you know, one thing I've learned from your podcast is that there's a lot of very, very smart individuals out there running shops and, uh, participating in your podcast and, and i'm always just so impressed thank you uh, before i go to judy on that um it i don't know why it hit me uh just a few weeks ago but i've always believed in this thing about the fly on the wall so i actually started to talk about it on the show that you know the the, the podcast is really like uh, allowing you to be a fly on the wall inside of uh, your colleagues and hear their stories told and uh uh, it, it was always something I always, years ago, I always said, God, I wish I could be a fly on the wall of my competitor down the road in their, in their next employee meeting. Love to know what's going on there. Well, that's what we do here. Judy, uh, remember the day that uh, you became a, a great leader? Well, as you said that, um, I harked back to in my early 20s when I managed McDonald's. When Dana and I first started the shop, I worked McDonald's, paid most of the bills. And after three years, I said, okay, I'm done with that. I'm coming to work for Haglin's. And um, I could get anybody to do anything at McDonald's. And that's, uh, I got to tell you, that was an, a natural talent that I have. I didn't come into realization of how really good and fine-tuned that really could be till much later on where one, I figured out who I was, figured out who my husband was. We learned how to communicate and we figured out what each other's strengths are. And being a woman in the industry, I'm going to put this out to all the women in the industry. A lot of us women are those leaders behind the technicians that we've married. And um, I was always afraid that I was going to hurt Dana's feelings. And he said, uh, yeah, I don't care. You are the leader. And if you ask any vendor, they said, yeah, Judy's the one that gets it done. And for the moment for me, when I really realized that I was a true leader was when with ATI and our all women's 20 group and we were had a social a dinner and um, we were talking and all of a sudden I said, you know what? I really am the driving force at Hagelin Automotive. And everybody stopped. I have, there's 20 women in the room. They stopped and they looked at me and went, it's about time you came out of the closet. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think it was really at that point that I realized that, okay, I am that person. And, that, and, it's, and in this male-dominated industry, that can be a challenging um, path to take. Um, but that was, for me, that was coming out of the closet. And we joke about that. Dana and I do a lot because I was always wanting him to be that leader, that manager. And that's not who he is. Um, Dana is, once again, as, as with Tom, he's one, an ASE Master Tech Award winner. And he, we quote him as Jesus in the back. And some, my tech came into a meeting the other day and says, uh, boss, I need Jesus and, and he needs to come to the back now. 
And we went, okay. And the person I was meeting with said, what does that mean? I said, well, it means that he needs to make magic happen because something broke or something's not working, right? He goes back. He's back five minutes later. I said, wow, that was very fast. So a miracle? He says, no, they were just not looking correctly. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. You just go wave your hand over that problem, <laughs> Dana. Uh, yes, I'm, magic. I'm moved by all the things that are going on here today. It, it inspires me to remind the audience that Mark, Judy, and Tom have done one-on-one episodes with me. And so if you want to hear more, from their great wisdom, uh, please run their names. Uh, in fact, I'll, when you go to the website when this thing is published, you'll have, have a click and you'll see all their episodes. And then Judy mentions the ATI All Women's 20 group. Well, I had Judy and two others at Apex this past year, and we were in our Apex studio. And I have to tell you, and I, I told actually Judy this uh, this week, I said, it's still one of my favorite episodes. We were so into what you the, the dynamics of these three great ladies in our industry. So thank you for all of that. Tom, uh, take me back to the day that you uh, you said, hmm, I think I'm a leader now. You know, it's funny. I, I, I don't remember the exact day. Uh, I, can't, I couldn't give you a put a date on it, but I can remember the situation. I'm out in the shop working on a car. I have a phone, you know, I got to get, I got somebody on the phone waiting for me. I have a runner asking me where they're supposed to go. I got, I got all this stuff going on and I'm thinking to myself, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) I gotta, I gotta delegate this stuff. I gotta, I gotta find a, I gotta develop a process. I gotta find a way to make sure that these things get done, remains transparent to the customer. They, all they see is a good product being put out by the shop. They're happy. They feel good. Everything's fine. But on the backside, I can't do everything. I have to. I, I have to delegate these these tasks. I have to find a structure that works for us and works for our way. You know, our way of doing things that will allow other people to make decisions. And you know, that was probably. I'm going to say it was probably about 20, 15 to twenty years ago, and uh, it was in the summer because remember it was hot. That was also an issue. We put AC in the shop not too long after that, but <laughs> um, the. Uh, uh, you know, it was that it was that realization that you can't do it all. You have to delegate, and if you want to be success, if you want to delegate and be successful, you better have the right people in the right place to do it. Now, it's not like I just woke up one day and said and became a good leader. Uh, I made mistakes. You know, there were times where I handled situations in ways that I probably shouldn't have. But everybody makes mistakes. They're only they they only really count if you don't learn from them. So, I learned from my mistakes. I, 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 you know, I, I remember, you know, at the time the internet wasn't what the internet is now, you know, reading, you know, trying to find books and read and, and, and go to, you know, go to classes and all, all that kind of stuff. I, I had friends who were in the corporate world and, you know, I would bounce stuff off them just to try to see, not that they have it all figured out, but just to see where everybody is and how it all, you know, and, and how it all worked. And, you know, we slowly developed our way of doing it and it's, you know, knock on wood, it's, it's worked pretty well. You know, here's some irony of this whole thing. The topic today is talent management, developing your leadership team. And the irony here is you have to become a leader yourself. And and I, I really love the fact that we told this story here near the end. Well, let's go around the room and, uh, and, and hit on any kind of topic or any other great advice that you'd love to give to your colleagues and peers inside the industry. Uh, Tom, I'll start with you. I would two things. The first uh, would be lead from the front. Do not do not let your people think that you're standing on top of a mountain, pointing down to them, you know, telling them that you make sure that they understand that you're you're willing and able to get involved if need be Um, that that when you do that, you are able to develop a relationship with your employees, a respectful relationship where they feel like they have, uh, there's a camaraderie there that they can communicate with you, which will also help with my second point, which is not to micromanage people. When you micromanage people, you're setting them up. You're setting the, you're setting the leadership training part of this up for failure. You, you most certainly are. If you micromanage people and you're not willing to kind of take your hands off the reins a little bit and just provide the bumper so people don't go off the road, you're not going to create leaders. You're just going to create people to come to you with questions and expect, like Mark was saying, you know, waiting for your answer. You can't, you can't do that. You have to, you cannot micromanage. You have to let people kind of, you give them the tools they need to get up there, 
But, you know, once they're ready, once you feel they're ready to fly, let them go. Stay close to them, you know, monitor them, make sure, you know, you know what's going on. But don't get involved and let them let them learn. If they make a mistake, let them learn from that mistake. Counsel them on what, you know, what happened, why it happened and how to have it not happen again. And then, you know, just just move forward in that way. It takes a long time. It's not a process that's, you know, a two week process. This is I mean, really, when you think about it, and I think Judy and Mark would agree with me. This is a lifelong learning process. We, this is not, no, you know, they say somebody's a born leader. I don't know. I think everybody has to learn how to be a leader. And every good leader that you talk to is going to tell you that, you know, they're still learning. You know, you never really master your craft at that. I, I know I certainly haven't. So, and I, I'm, I'm really glad to be part of this because I've learned from Judy and, you know, Judy and Mark today. I've picked up a ton of stuff. So thank you two for that. I really, really do appreciate it. It always happens. It always happens. Mark, I remember you and I were, um, uh, was it, was it vision and we were doing it and I think you were taking notes. I mean, everybody seems to be taking notes on what everyone else says. And so, uh, I, th- that's another great, you know, great feeling for me that, uh, that not only are we teaching the, the aftermarket, but our panelists are so willing to be, you know, they're perpetual students. If not, you wouldn't be at the top of your craft right now. Judy, I will give you the last word. Mark, I'm going to let you go next. Okay. Well, I think I would echo Tom's comments about not micromanaging and, and you've got to delegate. I think, you know, Andy Stanley said it best is that as your organization grows, um, the dumber you get. And uh, because you just don't know everything that happens. But I also believe it, it you know, like like they both said, is that that's all, this is an ongoing for anybody, leadership training is ongoing, and and obviously we have to work on ourselves before we can work on others. And you know, I I look at where I spend my time, and I spend a, a quite a bit of time each month in training. And you know, how do I become that better leader? And um, I I've often told my techs and stuff is that when I was working in the shop, you know, yes, I had headphones on most of the time. I wasn't listening to music. I was either listening to podcasts, uh, how to be a better. Uh, husband, how to be a better dad, how to be a better business owner. It was all educational stuff that I listened to. And, uh, you know, we just, it doesn't stop. And so sometimes a leadership training, uh, you're going to have to put some resources behind it. And that's okay too, is that we've got to be willing to uh, put some resources because it's really ultimately what we become is a resource provider. Just like Tom said, he had some guys that needed to do something and he just, what do you need? So I can help you, and we become a resource provider to help them grow. You know, Mark, I, I know you're really big on uh, mentor and mentoring. Could you just give us a, a moment on that? I think everybody should have a mentor. I have a couple mentors that I that I go to. They're not even involved in our industry. And then I mentor um, three other business people now that I meet with them every two weeks, and we go over a number of different things. I kind of let them drive what they what they're looking for. And then based upon what they're looking for, then I'll, I'll deliver what I think uh, is best for them. And so it's, uh, it's, it's been very fun doing it um, because they're, they're younger individuals uh, with some great businesses. And, you know, I can see where they've made some mistakes and I'll confront them on some of the stuff. And um, some of it was you're in a market that you probably shouldn't be in and this is why. And you just don't want to admit to, your, to yourself that uh, you've made a mistake. You know, and so, uh, but yeah, I, I, I love mentoring. So I was at a career day yesterday with uh, about a hundred high school students. So um, it was a great time. I said, I wasn't there to, to look to hire somebody. I was there to plant seeds and, you know, I don't care if they're air conditioning people, diesel mechanics or whatever, just, you know, it was there just to, uh, you know, talk about the industry and the opportunities um, that's out there. It's an exciting time for young people if, uh, you know, for skills that's for sure yeah if we help them uh understand the the great opportunities that exist in this high-tech yeah. industry of ours and uh yeah a lot of interesting things have happened to me in the last 24 hours as it comes to youth and and, and i hope to maybe try to get a podcast out of it or at least if at least not a blog about in, in independent shop owners getting a co-op program at a post-secondary school really kind of cool things going on in in in, uh, in my world and and you know when you mentor or teach you also learn. And I think that's something we all have to, to understand. And, and I bet you that's one of the big things that happens with you. Yes. Yeah, I learn. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Super. Judy, you have the last word. Well, of course. Um, well, I have, there, I, as, 
As I'm, <laughs> there's a joke in there somewhere. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> if, you know, if you know me, you absolutely get it. Um, as, I got to tell you, as Tom and Mark are talking, you're, you're starting to say words and I'm hearing them in my head but as you're saying them. It's, it's, I'm thinking the exact same thing. And I love that. The fact that it, it's like, yep, yep. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, so there's kind of three points. One, I think the most important thing is know your people, know their strengths, know your strengths. And also it's okay to be wrong. Um, we talked earlier about I'm an eagle and I double triple check everything because I don't like to be wrong, but there are times where I actually will be wrong because that's what needs to happen. You need to, you can't be practically Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay to, it's okay to make a mistake and it's okay for your people to see that you've made a mistake and how do you deal with that mistake is truly the lesson that you're teaching your people. Um, number two, Tom, you talked about, <laughs> it's so funny. I'm sitting in my office as you're saying this, I'm going, yeah, I'm thinking in my office. That's where I was, but you're doing so many different things and somebody comes up and says, how do, can you order coffee? <laughs> really? Can I order the coffee? I can offer the order the coffee. So what I created was my sticky note is my friend program. Mm -hmm. And every time somebody asked me, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? And it was like, I can, but I'm going to, it's back to teach them how to fish. <laughs> Don't just give them the food. Mm -hmm. um, so I would make a sticky note. And I'd say, okay, coffee, who do I need to delegate that job to? Make sure they understand how they go online, where they go, and how do they get it. And I have to tell you, I haven't had to order coffee for um, several years now. Success. <laughs> yes. But along with, you know, kind of as you said, um, who's, who's keeping track, who's, who's taking responsibility for whatever those jobs are. Um, if something's broken or we need gloves this morning, we needed gloves. And I went, oh, another sticky note. And I need to find out. So who's going to be ordering those gloves? Because I, and I haven't had to order them forever, but I'm actually filling in up front. Um, so you need to know who, who you delegated to and how they could do it so that you, it takes it off your plate, which allows you to my third, one of the third points is that working on leadership and being a leader. Um, we are with ATI and we've been with them for over 12 years and I've got a phenomenal coach, George Zeeks, and probably a lot of people know who George is out there. But one of the things that he has always said is you as a, as a leader, as an owner of the business, you need to take time every single day and or week to think. And that means that you go in your office, you close the door or on your drive. What, and that's not even in your drive home. It's really that you're in your office and that's a job that needs to be on your calendar and your schedule and you're thinking you're you are thinking and or as mark said you're training you're you're learning something but that time to think you clear your head out of all the other problems or whatever and you say okay are we on track are we going the right way what else do we need to be doing and in my life i'm always looking to improve what's the next step and where do we need to be going so take time to think good stuff everyone inspiring, inspiring uh, Town Hall Academy today. Talent management, developing your leadership team was our topic. And Judy Haglin was here from Haglin Automotive, Boulder, Colorado. Mark Roberts, Shirts Automotive, Shirts Texas, and Tom Palermo, Preferred Automotive Specialists, Philadelphia. Great weekend, everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 